0: If you would, grab your Bibles. We're going to be in two places this morning. So kind of mark 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. It's the first section we're going to be in. And then uh, I also want you, so 1 Corinthians 13, 4. 1 Corinthians 13, 4. We're going to be there where we've been all morning or all uh, this whole series. And then we're also going to be in Revelation 6. So 1 Corinthians 13, Revelation 6. 1 Corinthians 13, Revelation 6. If you want to, you can mark both those places in your Bible. While you are looking those up, I just want to remind you, coming up this next week, not now everybody's not going to pay attention to this announcement, and it's important. It's important. It's an important announcement. 1 Corinthians 13, Revelation 6 is where we'll be. This next week, okay, so this next week, we are not having services at this location. Okay, so I am not going to be here. (laughs) Some people around you might be here, but they'll be real disappointed Right when they show up and there's a sign that says meet at East Fisher. So this location and our Oleo Road location are going to meet together at Oleo Road and we're going to spend a whole morning in prayer for healing. For physical healing, for even like our country. We're going to be praying for the elections that are coming up. If you have sick people that you know of, friends, bring them. We're going to pray over them that God would do what only he can do. We're going to spend a whole morning in prayer. Now again, Anybody in this church that's, you know, older than like 50, you probably remember prayer services. You remember those old school prayer services? We're bringing them back. And I am very excited about that. So make sure next week, uh, same service times, right, Alyssa? Am I getting that right? No, whatever is on the screen, do whatever Alyssa says. That's important. Uh, whatever's on the screen. So 9, 10:30 This location in Oleo Road will be at Oleo Road next week, a morning of prayer, uh, worship. It's going to be an amazing morning. You definitely want to come. Uh, And we have some cool stuff happening in the night, which I'm going to talk more about at the service this next week. So come, come. Prayer service, prayer service. You want to be at the prayer service. It'll be powerful as we just call out to God to do what only God can do. We are in week number nine of our series, The Way of Love. And, um, The reason we've spent so much time on this one word, love, is because our culture, we have a living language, our culture, as it evolves, languages evolve, and what we mean by what we say changes over time. The word cool meant something different, you know, or can be used in different ways today than it was used in the 1920s. I mean, it's, it's true. Languages change. They evolve. We have a living language. And because of that, when we use the word love today, we've talked about this every week, it doesn't necessarily line up with what the Bible means when it talks about love. Our primary text is in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 through this whole series, and we're going to spend time there here this morning. But before I do that, I just want to uh, lay a thought before you. I have read through I mean, literally thousands of Next Steps cards over the last number of years. I mean, I've sat on the back patio of my house and cried and prayed with you, over you, from the different locations and services that we have coming in, the, the Next Steps cards. So many people are asking God to do something significant to them. There's nothing wrong with that. Praise be to God for his ability to engage in our lives and heal and rescue and restore and renew. That's wonderful. But what if God doesn't only want to do good things to you, what if he wants to do good things through you? What if he doesn't only want to do good things to you, but he wants to do good things through you? I mean, the cool thing in the greater biblical narrative, they call it, in fact, in theology, they call it the the, the shyness of God. And the shyness of God is this idea that God, this divine creature, doesn't come and steal our significance away from us. The shyness of God is he loves to raise up people who catch his heart, catch his passion, catch his vision. And God wants to do great things through you, not just to you. All right, let's, let's say this together. God wants to do great things through me, right? Let's do this together. You ready? Here we go. God wants to do great things through me. Through you. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. I'm going to read the whole section of scripture. And then we're going to hone in on our selection this morning. It says this, love is patient It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And I love the crescendo of this. Love never, never fails. So different than the way we see and use love in our modern world. We're going to zoom in tight on First Corinthians 13, the first part of 7. It says love, so love, always protects and always trusts. And again, a little disclaimer, uh, starting two weeks ago, Um, And through this week, we're in the section where it feels impossible. Like what the scripture asks of us to do feels impossible without God. Because it is. I mean, some of the most grand things that you will do in your life, you can't do without him. And this is a part of that chain of ideas in the teaching on love. Love What does it do? It always protects and always trusts. So the question that I want to ask this morning is simply this. What does protect and trust mean? What does protect and trust mean as we skim through the pages of Christian history? Now the truth is there is a lot of examples in this in the Bible. And so I wanted to kind of offer one to you that kind of overlaps or does overlap with some of the things that are happening today. So to do this... Uh, here in a minute, we're going to jump to the text I told you we were going to be in earlier, Revelation 6. Before we get there, let me paint a little historical picture. It is 95 AD. Jesus has died, come back to life, gone back up to heaven. And the people that are really close to him, they are beginning to age. So we're still at a time in history where those that actually saw and walked with Jesus, the apostles, um, they're now coming to an end of their life, right? Like they're getting older or have passed away. We're coming right near the end of their time. So the first generation of Christians are coming to an end. We're beginning to launch like the second generation of Christians. And one of the older guys that's made it a long time is, is, is John. John. And let me tell you, John drove non-believer people in power crazy. Because the dude just wouldn't die. In fact, uh, for those that are history people, love it, love history people. It's my education, history people. And you've read much of historians. uh, Tertullian, anybody here ever read his stuff at all? Kind of interesting. He tells the story that in John, so this is Roman history, from a non Christianish kind of perspective, I mean, maybe a little bit, believe in it, I don't know, it's kind of muddy as you read through his work, but a Roman historian's perspective, and they tell the story of John, and literally at one point, uh, the Rome, the power, Rome and power, they took John, and supposedly, according to him, the historian, they dropped him in boiling oil, pulled him out, and he was still like praying and singing and totally fine. They were so annoyed that they couldn't kill John that they loaded him on a boat. They sent him out of Ephesus and put him on this island called Patmos. And it's on this island in exile that he has these visions. And these visions that he writes down are what we have in our Bibles, our Canaanite scripture, called Revelation. 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 And Revelation is an interesting book because it's really the revelation of Jesus. So it's revealing the work of Christ, the heart of Christ, the work of Christ on humanity. And if you've read through it, anybody here ever read through Revelation? Anybody here like, whoa, there's like dragons and serpents and monsters coming out of the ocean. What is going on? Okay, good, that's good. If you're out there. if you're really interested on something that's like half Lord of the Rings, half like Game of Thrones, I don't know. You can read through Revelation. it's, it's awesome. But in one of these prophecies, what we find, Revelation 6, is this interesting insight into humanity. Now you have to remember, most scholars believe that the revelation of Christ for the churches especially was not just uh, revealing truth to a local church, but it was revealing truth, truth to a church at that time in history, but also representing church movements yet to come. In Revelation 6, 6 through 8, it says this. Then I heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures saying, Two pounds of wheat for a day's wages and six pounds of barley for a day's wages. And do not damage the oil and the wine. When the lamb opened the fourth seal, I heard a voice of the fourth living creature say, Come, come. Revelation 6, starting in verse 8 here. I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named Death, and Hades was following close behind him. They were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine, and plague, and by the wild beasts of the earth. I don't like putting long commentaries on the screen in church. But I want to do this one, because it does give us a really interesting insight that I think is going to overlap with a lot of even uh, what we see. Now, I'm not saying that we're in Revelation in time. I'm not saying that I can know that. But it does give us insight into different times in history. So this is the ESV Study Bible, and I like to pick ones that you have access to. So the ESV Study Bible says this. A heavenly voice about the scripture we just read. A heavenly voice comments on the scale's significance, citing inflated grain prices 8 to 10 times normal. Siege and disruption of commercial routes will produce scarcity, driving up prices. Deuteronomy twenty-eight forty-nine through 57. 2 Kings 6, 24 through 25. 7, 1 through 2 local crops such as oil and wine are unaffected however showing that the scarcity is limited not comprehensive this is important to note some think the command not to harm the oil and wine may have social significance since the rich were primarily consuming or consumers of oil and wine all right so what's happening here what's happening here what does it mean to protect and trust What do we see in the hearts of humans? We see in this text, right, as Revelation progresses, we see in this text rapidly evolving disparity between the rich and the poor. The poor get poorer and the rich get richer. We have a term for this, though they're referencing it in Revelation, and it's happened many times over at multiple places. In fact, it's worth, if you ever want to, just type in hyperinflation and, uh, and check it out. But this is what we would call today, this is hyperinflation. And what does it do? It eradicates what we would call the middle working class. They disappear. It forces to the extremes. It increases those that are in poverty. As fear and scarcity... As fear and scarcity settle over a population, pause on this thought. How do you feel about our day and age? As fear and scarcity settle over a population, what happens? Those that can buy up and hoard do thus driving up the price of all available goods and what inevitably happens the poor get poor. now the really interesting thing when you look through history referencing the revelation text also referencing the deuteronomy text also referencing the second kings text that were all mentioned in this what we find is ironically as the fear of not having enough, as the fear of not having enough, as the fear of not having enough grabs a hold of your heart, as fear of not having enough grabs a hold of your heart, my heart, our hearts, society's heart, as it grabs a hold of our heart, the more you indirectly feed the very economic monster you are trying to keep at bay. Fear and scarcity are a weapon of the enemy. Fear and scarcity are a weapon of the enemy. Fear and scarcity are literally a weapon of the enemy. Notice what happens next. Notice in the text what happens after excessive fear and hoarding are allowed to overcome a people group. When the lamb opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come. I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named? And Hades. And following close behind him, Hades was following close behind him, they were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill by the sword, famine, and plague, and by the wild beasts of the earth. Chris Langham says it like this. 95% of famines are caused not by ecology, but by. He goes on to say, most of human suffering isn't God punishing us, but him merely allowing us to have, literally, like letting our pride, our fear. It's just like handing us over to what's in us. Most of human suffering isn't punishing us, but him merely allowing us to have what we what we want. I mean the truth is even in this room. Don't you really want to hoard as much as you can? And the scarier the world gets, the more we want to hoard. So what does protect and trust mean when we skim through the pages of Christian history. From Eden to the cross. From the cross to our future heaven. Amen. To protect is to be responsible for and cover the needs of another independent of their ability to reciprocate it back. A couple of thoughts on this. One, God will allow you. He is even allowing us now. He has all through our human story. God will allow you to be in places Where your provision, so you providing for someone else, will require you to trust in his provision to you. God will allow you. God will absolutely allow you. This is how the trust works. God will absolutely allow you to be in a place where he's going to put on your heart to help provide and take care of someone. But it will be at a level that you will be forced to trust in his provision to you. Because so many of us are like, God, we want to do big good things for you. But first, give me so much. Help me to have so much that I don't have to trust that you will provide for me. I know, I know there's people sitting out there going, Mike, you could run with that idea all the way into nonsense land. (sighs) Maybe. But I'd venture to think that most of us are far from that side of the air. One of the only guarantees in life listen to me clearly one of the only guarantees in life is that God will give you ample opportunity to practice charity let me say that again one of the only guarantees in life is that God will give you ample opportunities to practice charity relational charity Material charity, even charity on the road when people are cutting you off after church. You get ample opportunities to practice charity. It's the only guarantee. It's one of the only guarantees. But not just that. Ample opportunities to practice charity. And some of them and some of these practices of charity will require you to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Like it's not going to make sense in your own mind. You're going to have to just... Follow the heart and ways and nature of God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. I'm gonna invite Josh up and I'm gonna pull some of these ideas together, the protect and trust, protect and trust, protect and trust. See, when we hear the words protect and trust, our natural inclination is to think, God, protect me and I trust you but when you read that section of scripture in context not just direct context but grand meta narrative biblical context what we find is god is not only saying hey hey in fact it's even less of i'm going to protect you in everything that you do so you get what you want and it's more of god saying you who are my people be protectors N- maybe i should say it like this we need spiritual heroes to step up to the plate. Those that have a new kind of trust and courage. Those who love changing somebody's life. Years ago, when I was uh brand new in ministry, there was a young couple they were they were really cool I, I loved them and they were entrepreneurs. you ever met those like it, i mean it, it felt like Chip and Joanna Gaines, but at like 21, right? That's what it kind of felt like. Like they were really sweet, really nice, love Jesus, both entrepreneurs by nature, and they would like buy and remodel and fix up homes. I learned a lot with them. So just young entrepreneurs by nature. And drivers, right, drivers. Neither of them had any, of it, any education in construction or in finance. And they were doing so well. Remember those days when like, homes were just going crazy and you're buying something not the recent one but the one earlier here a few years back and so they're flipping houses and making money and remodeling and uh, they had turned a couple of years of doing this and then they got audited by the government and found out they owed a lot of money in taxes like devastate them bankruptcy And I remember sitting down and having the conversation with them. Young couple. They're probably in their, I'm guessing the age, probably 24, 25, 26. Been doing this for a handful of years now. Just a young power couple. And they were like, listen, Pastor Mike, we need prayer. We don't know what we're going to do. Neither of us have any education in finance. And it was somehow like personal contract versus employment. Like they got somehow in their turning of their taxes, they just got it wrong over and over and over again. And nobody said anything for years and they were doing it on their own, taxes on their own. And so I advised that they go meet with somebody in the church who was an older, almost retired CPA accountant, Christian, passionate Christian in our church. And they did. Now, okay, when you go ask for help, sometimes you go ask for help, and when you go in and ask for help, you're not really asking for help. You're just asking for help out of your situation. You don't want to change anything, you just want to be rescued from your spot. And I made it really clear when you go in and meet with this guy, I want you to bring everything, every receipt, everything that you have, the stuff from the government, you bring it all in, lay it all out before this accountant who's an amazing older Christian man, and you be willing, I'm telling you, if you're willing to submit and let him actually change how you do ministry or how you do uh, ministry, Home flipping, like how you do this stuff, how you do your business, how you operate, if you let them act, if you actually change it, you're, you come before them and you're like, listen, I'm not asking just for help out of this situation, I'm asking for help on how to know how to live a better life with my finances. Laid it all out. I heard about the situation from both the man and the couple. And there was lots of tears and lots of openness and lots of confession and, and would you please help me and we don't know where to go and how can I pay this off and maybe if we liquidate all of our things or should we just do bankruptcy, what's our next step? How do we just, all kinds of confusion. They circled back around for appointment number two and... Um, again was told about this basically the older gentleman leaned forward and he said so are you are you really willing to let me walk through you you know through your business financially and they're like yes absolutely and then he said "Uh, all of your debts have been paid And the young couple said, we just, we just sat there and wept. Like, we watched our, we thought our lives were done. Our business was done. Our hopes were done. So I followed up with this couple before this message. Just how's it going all these years later? They're loving Jesus. In fact, the big thing that they shared is what we learned from that moment is generosity, generosity. Generosity. Like, I'm not just trying to build a big life for me. I'm trying to create as much space to help as many people as I can before I leave this planet. And then what comes to my mind as I'm thinking about this, protect and trust. Protect and trust. Not God just do things to me. God do things through me. Not God, just do things to me, but God, do things through, through me, through me. But there's risk, isn't there? I mean, like when you pull up on the side of the road and that person's begging for money and you give him that 20 and you're like, hey man, it's the love of God that spurs me to do this. There's risk. They're not gonna spend it the way you want. But isn't there always risk? I mean, here's the truth. I just read an article the other day. We're on the beginning of the biggest change in wealth in human history because the wealthiest Per cap, like largest amount of people with money, you're all going to die away and your kids are going to get all of your money. How do you even know they're going to use it the way you want? You can't control everything. Let me ask this question. What good, what good, what good would you do if you could trade a heart full of fear and scarcity for a heart that's looking for places to protect and is full of trust? What would you do different? Listen, you can't help everybody, but you should help somebody. What would you do if you could trade a heart full of fear and scarcity for a heart that's looking for places to protect and trust, to cover, to fill the gap, to make whole something that's incomplete? Love doesn't hoard, love doesn't live in fear, love doesn't live in scarcity, love loves to protect and trust. All right, let me just ask this one question Who is God calling you to cover and provide for? Just you? Is God calling you to cover and provide for? God doesn't just want to do great things to you, He wants to do great things through you. He doesn't just want to do great things to you, He wants to do great things through you. Oh, but Pastor Mike, what if they don't respond the way I like? What if they don't respond right? Oh, God, the Father, let this cup pass from me. Most of these people that I provide everything for won't respond right. Who is God calling you to cover and provide for? Just you? Even now, Holy Spirit, I ask in your name, that you would whisper across this room. We are your workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, the scripture says. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind, the scripture says. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, the scripture says. While we were still yet sinners, Christ died. He provided everything for us while we were still in sin, the scripture says. Who, God, right now, who are you whispering into our hearts? that we need to cover or provide for. God, you don't only want to do good things to us. You want to do great things through us. Still in a spirit of prayer, I would love it if you would grab the Next Steps cards and write, I would love to pray over these if it's okay with you. You don't have to do this if you don't want to. If you need to make a decision to follow Jesus, mark it on the card. If you need to rededicate your life, mark it on the card. If you need to be baptized, mark it on the card. But I would love it if you would also do this. I would love to pray over these names. I want to pray that God would provide for you so you can provide for others. And so if you don't mind, just take a minute and write down a name. You don't have to do this. And maybe like a sentence or two of the situation if you want And I would love to pray over your places where you're like, yep, God has called me to engage here. Even if you don't know how yet, I'll pray that God makes it clear. But if you would just write out like a name, my neighbor, going through whatever, my and whatever the provision might be, just whatever God's whispering in your heart, take a second and write it down. God doesn't only want to do good things to you he wants to do good things through you who is god calling you to cover and provide for i love you all go ahead and write thanks for listening to sunday sermon on the made for more podcast if you are not connected in a church community we would love to connect with you Send us a message on social media or fill out a digital Next Steps card at EncounterTrinity.com slash Steps.